So, um, your birthday. Yeah. Can I ask, how many candles did you put on that enormous slice of humble pie that you no doubt had to eat? Okay, right. Two things about that. One, I got a lovely book of nature poetry. You did. In the in the post. Completely anonymously. No message, no greeting, no could have been from anyone. So I thought, I wonder if Nick has actually remembered. Took time out of my busy day to ring you, to say what's happening, and uh, you claim you sent it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Listen, I sent you a present on your birthday. Uh, the day after. Admittedly with... No. Yes. No, it have, supposed to, it was no. supposed to arrive on the day. No, the day after. I cry, asked Rachel, I cried myself to sleep on my birthday. No. <laughs> it arrived the same day. I definitely had a message. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I sent you a book and uh, it's, I can't be bothered to write a message with it. For heaven's sake. <laughs> It was a lovely anonymous present. Thank you. And it, it genuinely is a delight. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. There's no sort of colouring in pages, I'm afraid, but it was the best I could do. <laughs> thank you. Welcome, everybody to what is claimed to be episode 233. Frankly, we're a bit unsure. No, I'm not so sure now. Yeah. <laughs> I was all confident at first. <laughs> yeah, might be 233, might be 234. Could be. Probably not 232, because I think we definitely did that one. No, I'm sure we've done 232. So, well, let's say welcome to episode 233 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, just for the sake of argument. Let's. Uh, my name is Nick Page, and there's Joe there Davis. Hello. Hello. Do you want to uh, give the church notices first? Yes. Or? Well, I'll do. I'll do one of them, and I thought you could do the uh, another one actually. So, oh, okay. So, yeah, just to say, I did put a link up on our Facebook page, and I think you put it in the show notes last week. Staying defiantly, what the hell is salvation? So that conversation is going to happen. It's a, it's a, basically an open Zoom meeting for people interested in exploring, you know, how we might think perhaps differently about the whole notion of hell. Uh, again, it's just along this lines of rethinking, you know, what a new kind of church looks like for a new age, even a new kind of Christianity, if you'll allow us to be that heretical. So that's going to take place on Tuesday, April 25th. So plenty of notice there. That's all I need to say about that. But what I was wondering, because we haven't done this for a long while, I was wondering whether we should have a notice about giving to the podcast because I think it's a long time since we explained to people the benefits of giving to this podcast so I thought I'd hand over to you to explain that right the the benefits <laughs> the benefits <laughs> what people get <laughs> and when you explain it explain what they get for giving a small amount and then as that incrementally grows into a huge sum mm. um, what people would get under those circumstances so off you go well i mean if you give a little amount to the yeah. podcast yeah you know every month you get um absolutely <laughs> all <laughs> and if you give if you give a large amount you get even more absolutely <laughs> all for your donation 
here. I think the pattern's emerging here. Has that done the job? Thank you. I think you've helped us here. Uh, what you do get is very grateful people. Yes, uh, yes. In the shape of Nick and I, that much is certain. But we haven't operated the Patreon model, I think it's fair to say. Well, let me put a little bit more flesh on it. Yeah, I mean, we are very grateful uh, to people who support the podcast. It does make a big difference because it just allows us to, uh, um, you know, spend a bit more time on it, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and no to, one would. And uh, to develop it. We're very grateful. Uh, we always said, actually, we wouldn't operate a kind of membership reward thing on the grounds that we didn't really think that was what a Christian podcast should be doing. And also, frankly, you know, most podcasts that do that, they offer like a longer podcast or or more access to the yeah, hosts. We can, it's like a punishment. <laughs> yeah, what we should be offering is less. Yeah, if you give, we promise you can have a shorter podcast. Yeah, yeah. If you give to the podcast, we'll, we'll yeah. do a special one that lasts half as long. So, um, yeah, you know, I always think actually churches should do that. You know, yeah. I always felt with churches that if you gave a lot, you yeah. should get better seats and a shorter sermon. Yeah, you should be allowed to go home early. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, no, seriously, we're very grateful uh, to everyone who supports us. It does make a big difference and, and it's just always uh, so encouraging. So yeah. thank you very much. And and thank you to everyone who, who listens and to who, you know, recommends it and who, yeah, it's amazing. you know, reviews it. And it's that's great as well. So whatever you could do to help us, we're grateful, frankly. We're pathetically yeah. grateful. Really. We, are, we are appallingly grateful. Yeah, we're certainly <laughs> pathetic anyway. Um, <laughs> So that was that was a great professional piece of uh, fundraising, I feel. Yes, it was. You've inspired literally tens of people. <laughs> but I like to think it was authentic to it me. It was, yeah. Yeah, but I hope people have got the message about how grateful we are. Well, how are you anyway? Well, do you know, I, yeah, um, I'm well. I'm very demob happy because this morning I did my last funeral till what will be... Easter, I guess. So um, I'm off. Crikey, that's a long time. It is a long time. Yeah, but that's how it works when you take time off and then you don't have work the second you get back and it takes a while to build up. That's, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'll never get used to it, but there we are. So, yeah, I'm really tired. I just feel so grateful and happy that we're getting a break tomorrow. So I'm going... I'm going to see my brother with all the tensions and hypocrisy I feel in foreign travel um, again, but... Uh, I am going to see him. He lives in Mexico, for those that don't know. He's lived there for 40 years. He's not very well. And uh, that's, uh, that's a sadness. But uh, every cloud has a silver lining. Uh, I'll have a pina colada. <laughs> so that's how that rolls. <laughs> fine, fine sense of family feeling there. Um. Yeah, exactly. No, he's, he is he, he is a bit poorly, bless him. He's, mm. he's, he's had a bad run and... Uh, that's enough said on that. And uh, yeah, just starting that unwinding. And it's it's interesting that I did this sort of last funeral about six hours again ago. And now I am so tired. I feel like if I just closed my eyes, I'd go. And it feels like it's been building for a long while. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the last the last break was back in September. I say break. We went and spoke. I was doing my, do you remember? All the way back then, I was being an international speaker. Oh, yeah. And then we got covid uh, so, um, yes, it's it's a beautiful thing to take a break. And, we, you know, it's lovely just to take a stack of books and yeah. 
And Rachel read a book to me, of course. We got the, the Richard Osman book. We saved it. She reads me a book. Really? On a holiday. Yeah. We've had this. I'm sure we've had this discussion before. Yeah, she reads me a book. It's lovely. She's always done it. I mean, I say always done it. There's probably a break when the kids were little. Yeah. Because, you know, then they had to be read to, which is a bit... Even I had to do that. I mean, every day I learn something more about Rachel that makes me more and more convinced she is, in fact, your carer. And this just adds to it. No, but she does have the loveliest reading voice. She does a lot of the reading at Soul Places. It's just she does. She's got a very soothing... Ask anyone. She's got a lovely voice. And so, she, okay. yeah. And she quite likes reading. So that's good. So that... But that's not the only reading that will take place. I've taken books away with me. And I don't want to spoil talking about my theme yet, but I have taken the book that I've only ever dipped into but never read cover to cover, The Statue of Waiting, which was a great recommendation oh, wow. from you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favourite books. Wonderful. Well, there we are. Yeah. I heard a great quote, which I suppose I should really look up before I even attempt to uh, quote it, but it's from St. Augustine. And it relates to your theme of wisdomness. Mm. And he was, the quote is basically along the lines of wisdom and patience are bedfellows. Mm. You, you, you won't get wisdom without having patience. So I, I thought that was really interesting. It struck a chord with me and I thought, yeah, I need to go and read that book now. Right. Good. There you go. Well, I hope you have a good time. Um, to be honest, uh, listener, we haven't sort of finalised the podcasting plans uh, during the interregnum, as we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> but we'll certainly try and put something out, I think, if we can. But uh, Yeah, no, we will. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Even if it's just photos of me with a pina colada, perhaps. I don't know. Um, but I think, I've, I've, I think I have identified what your theme is now, then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the year of pina coladas. Is, you know. <laughs> no, listen... Um, there is some very important news. Go on. In Time Out magazine, officially, Worthing is the best seaside town to move to. It's official. It's all out there. It's all over social media. So, you know, there you go. I told you you should move to Worthing. And now there is the independent voice of sanity. Well, Time Out as a magazine has always been renowned for the drug taking of its contributors, I believe. <laughs> And I can only assume this is some latest hallucination of theirs. This is a um, terrible scandal, honestly. I did read the article, and we'll put a link on the webpage. That, you know, that, that, uh, it seems to me it's 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 sort of because everywhere else nicer is too expensive was basically what they were saying. Yeah, there was a bit of that. I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's become the place to go to because you won't be able to afford to go to any of the other places. Exactly. It's people like me that keep the prices down. Indeed. <laughs> well, it's a nice place. And uh, my nephew's just moved there, actually. has just moved what to Worthing. What? How? Why? Well... Well, I don't know. I tried to warn him. Does he need officially welcoming? Not in, the, not in <laughs> yeah. your way, he doesn't. Does he know about the cinema? Does he know about the pier? <laughs> I, I, I expect he spotted the pier by now. Yeah, he thought. should have done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, enough. All right. Okay. I sense your tedium. Okay. <laughs> How are you, dear boy, in your temporary accommodation with your dodgy Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's odd, really. Nothing much is happening and nothing much is happening quite slowly. So, yes, we're just sort of waiting, really. We are in, in that place of patient wisdom. <laughs> Just, just waiting for things to happen. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. yeah. So, we're all right, though. Uh, I'm enjoying the piano. Have you been watching the piano? No, but I have heard others that have enjoyed it. Oh, you need to watch the piano. Do I? Yeah, it's okay. great. So, what they do is they basically, they set up a piano 
in, uh, you know, well, these public ones in a railway station that anyone can play. And then they invite certain people along. Obviously, they've sort of done their research and they've mm. got certain people. They invite them along to play and they play for the crowd and everybody applauds and, and um, Claudia, mm. whatever name, is is there. And and uh, and so that's lovely. But what they don't know is that there's two people looking at them, judging them, basically, and that they'll select each week one person to go and play in a concert at the Festival Hall. Oh, wow. But but it's really not that bit that's moving. It's the stories mm. of everybody who plays. You know, you get these remarkable um, people. There was one, uh, I think she's a fairly young girl, I think she's about 14, 15 or something, who's got quite severe sort of uh, developmental difficulties and she, and and not really much sight and all kinds of stuff. And so and she, she just played this Chopin. Uh, and wow. it was beautiful. It was astonishing. Mm. So, yeah, it's very touching. I like the piano. That's good. Okay. Uh, what else? I, d- I watched a film. Oh, yeah. I watched Wakanda Forever. Oh, wow. Good. Well, it went on forever. I don't know about... Uh, <laughs> I, I think they embodied the title. Uh, it was all right. It was okay. I mean, there's a law of diminishing returns, isn't there, with these superhero films? Even yes, a fan exactly. like myself. Ultimately, you're going, oh, it's this plot. Yeah. It's either plot A or plot B or plot C. Oh, it's that one. Uh, yeah. I don't know how you get out of that. Anyway, it was all right. Oh, yes. I meant to tell you, I watched a film as well, The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Have you have you seen that? No, no, but I've seen a lot about it. I think it's a Nick sort of film. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's about two podcast hosts who set up a mid-faith <laughs> crisis and one of them doesn't like the other one. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it about two sort of rather lost middle-aged men on an island? <laughs> there are strike, there are striking similarities. Okay. <laughs> no, it is. Do you know what? I it's not the sort of it's not laugh a minute. That's for sure. I feel glad I watched it. It was interesting. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, you should watch it. Definitely. Yeah, and it's my it's... wife's birthday soon, so we got we're going. Oh, there you are. Treat for that. Well, we won't watch that. <laughs> We're going to do something no. far more exciting. We're we're going to an exhibition at the Ashmolean Museum. That is a birthday treat. Yes. Well, your birthday treats are quite le- legendary. I was I was assuming it was going to be going to see some Andalusian nasal flute no, player no, no, or something no. like that. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to see we're going to see an exhibition about Knossos. Of course, you are. And the Minotaur. Oh yes, they were they were very big in the seventies, I believe. Yeah, they were. They were a pog rock band. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen, uh, we must. It. We must. I think we must motor on. Uh, really, yes, we've okay. spent a long time yes. on this. <laughs> on this drivel so far. Yeah. What have we got in terms of feedback? Oh, okay. So um, we got one from Ruth who said, uh, "Dear Joe and Nick, in yesterday's podcast, Nick mentioned his visit to Tudley Church to see the amazing Mark Chagall windows. Several years ago now, a friend took me to All Saints Tudley. It was a bright sunny day and we entered the church. A pianist was practising on a grand piano in preparation for a concert to be performed that evening in the church. My friend and I were the only ones there. We sat and listened to her playing and at the same time looked with awe at the amazing light and colour streaming through the windows. It was one of those peaceful, um, forgettable moments i think it was around episode 160 that you talked about soul places that day in tudley church is one of those soul places that i have in my memory bank thanks nick for the reminder and for all you do to keep the mfc podcast going fantastic i thought you'd like i thought you'd like yeah, that. that and that is what it's all about those kind of moments that yeah. you get um i've had several of those in churches where you you go and there was one um there's a marvelous church blytheborough in suffolk yeah. and uh 
huge church and it was uh, wonderful sort of carvings of angels and I went in there and there was a uh, a couple of uh, musicians or singers one was just recording an a cappella song and it reverberated around yeah oh, it yeah was, it was glorious is, it was yeah. heavenly Acoust- acoustically beautiful yeah, yeah yeah and lovely to be surprised by those i think you called it a transcendental experience yeah yeah it Did was you, yeah to, to be surprised by it to not expect it and then for it to be there yeah beautiful great Thank you for that. Yeah. Vicky wrote in and said, thanks for today's thoughtful podcast, Joe and Nick. And she says, just a quick thought about Nick's views on staying in his church. She said, I wonder if the experience of being comfortable staying in church is different depending on who you are and who your family is. If one is white, straight, cisgender, married, middle class, etc., etc., then there probably isn't going to be much said from the front or over coffee, which rejects any deep part of your being or tells you that uh, to belong, you need to hush up key parts of your authentic itself i think it's perhaps a bit harder to stay if you or one of your family members falls outside the realms of what members of the church community or the leadership believe to be right in inverted commas there's more risk more fear of damage for example i think this is especially hard for parents of younger gay and trans kids who are looking for somewhere psychologically safe for their kids to belong wonder what other people think take care guys and keep up the good work yeah um i think i think vicky's probably right there well, yes, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. No. I don't know why. There's nothing much more to say, is there? If you are in a position where your your identity is being attacked, where you don't think you could be your authentic self, then yes, I, th- I think you need to find a different community. I think you said that. And certainly if you're being harmed in any way, then yeah. you need to yeah. need to get out of there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, and by the way, today, did you know mm. today is International Women's Day? Um, so uh, extra, extra you know thanks to the wonderful women who do write into this podcast we're so grateful for it we're very aware of the limitations of being two middle class old white blokes so uh, we're very grateful for the perspectives that we get to share here and i'm very grateful for the women around me who frankly make me very aware of my uh, biases both conscious and unconscious so that's good yeah i did i did know it's international women's day today because uh, we have a lot on the Open Doors website about it and about the particular vulnerabilities of of uh, persecuted Christian women who are who are persecuted not only because of their faith but also because of their gender they have a sort of double yeah sort of whammy uh, they're vulnerable oh. vulnerable because of that so yeah lots on the website about that um, if you want to find out brilliant ah oh, bless you so uh, okay now this I thought was an interesting post so right we I just found this post online. And uh, and saw the sort of conversations that were coming out of it. but And I thought it would be just interesting for us to discuss what we feel about it, really. So this is Mary Black uh, responding to comments made by the SNP's Kate Forbes. Uh, as you know, there's a leadership contest going on in Scotland, or perhaps you don't know, for the new leader of the SNP, which is going to be, you know, a very significant um, position for people in Scotland. So this is what she said. She said, uh, a lot of people have asked me for my views on the leadership contest. Truthfully, I've been incredibly hurt so far. Hurt originating with the statements Kate Forbes has made and since stood by. I, like most people in Scotland, could not care less about someone's religion. If your faith says you cannot drink alcohol, then don't. If your religion says you cannot enter same-sex marriage, then don't. If your religion does not allow for abortion, then don't have one. However... The moment you use your religion to justify voting against me having access to any of the above, then it is you who is showing intolerance. 
What you practice in your own time and how you subscribe to live your life is your business. But as a lawmaker, if you choose to allow your religion to try and deny me my basic human rights, then you make it my business. The idea that Kate is being persecuted or that there is a witch hunt or unionist media plot against her is utterly fanciful at best and a dangerous conspiracy theory at worst. Holding candidates to account and scrutinising what they have said themselves on camera voluntarily as a pitch to be the next FM of Scotland is not abuse. Had a candidate said they do not believe in racially mixed marriages, we would rightly be horrified. So why is my marriage still considered fair game? How I and others are expected to have faith in a leader who unashamedly and publicly believes the love between my wife and I should not be legally recognised is beyond me. Where there has since been shallow calls for and promises of tolerance made, I find myself thinking of what Hamza has said and understood for years. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be equal. Kate hasn't just jeopardised a lot of activists and members, she has alienated swathes of the population before she's even started. We need and should expect better judgment, communication and leadership skills if we are ever to convince others of independence. So there's issues there around Scottish independence, but I thought that was quite an interesting um, article. Not not to pick up on the issue of same-sex, but to pick up on the issue of, you know, her point at the beginning about... What you do and what your religion says in your sphere is up to you. And whether you choose to adhere by its tenets uh, is one thing. But if you choose to put that on me, you make it my business. And I thought that was an interesting, an interesting issue. I guess we're talking about the relationship between church and state uh, in some ways. What do you think? Well, I, think, I, I suppose we should set some more context to this. I think the issue is that Kate Forbes is a member of the free evangelical church in scotland think something like that whether that's the the we freeze i don't know um uh, a very conservative protestant church yeah and and yeah and so that that's all come up in terms of whether you can have somebody like that as leader of a major political party um Mm. i don't know equally her voting record so i actually don't know what what she's voted against whether she's voted against anything um i do however think that we're on a very dangerous road here yeah um you know, I think the problem is, where does it stop? Because if you have sort of personal morality, if your personal morality has to exactly chime with the 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 public zeitgeist, mm. then what you get is you get populism. You don't get actually the leaders. You, you and yeah. and and you get just a different form of discrimination. Now, now, you know, I don't want to equate all this stuff because I think people have terrible experiences, you know, yeah. being discriminated against, and it makes it sound like you're approving of that. I'm not approving of that. I'm just saying that actually we have to find the line here between your personal beliefs and between the the legislating body. Yeah. Because it's not just the, the conservative evangelicals, is it? You're going to no, say, well, no, no orthodox, no Jew, no orthodox yeah. Jew could lead a political party. Yeah. You know, no, no Muslim author, you know, a certain kind yeah. could lead it. You know, there's this, these kinds of beliefs are not unique to Christians. No, exactly. There's all kinds of, you know, they're, they're found in all kinds of things. So I think that's my, my worry about it. I think that actually we're getting to a point where there's a kind of overarching orthodoxy that everybody has to sign up to. Yeah. And, um, and the other point I would say is that I don't think people genuinely understand this is not actually about just a belief about something it's because it's of certain passages in the bible and that's the issue so it, yes so exactly 
so, you know, we can argue about whether or not they're right in their interpretation of it, but we can't argue about whether or not they're in the Bible because they are. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not just as simple as saying, you know, somebody should just jettison that because actually it's a much more fundamental part. for them. It, it gives me a huge respect for MPs and just what an impossible task they have. I mean, I our, our local MP is... Peter Bottomley. Did you know that? Peter Bottomley. And, you know, he's, he's, he, he was quite a senior Tory, and certainly Virginia Bottomley's wife was a very senior, was in the Cabinet uh, Health Secretary, I think. And, um, you know, I, I, I check out his voting record and I disagree with most of the stuff he does. But I have to say, if you're in need in this constituency, and we've called on him several times we're in the church, and he was absolutely magnificent. Mm. He was really here. With a refugee family, he absolutely fought their corner and won this case and... So, so you know, I've, on a personal level, I have only ever found him to be extremely helpful in my mm. interactions with him. But, you know, I don't agree with the way he votes and, you know, a lot of what he stands for, really. But he's, you know, he's a, to all intents and purposes, he seems like a really good man. So it is tough, this, isn't it? It is. It's, it's messy. But, but I think that there, for me, this, it's like this relationship between church and state and whether we feel a bit more entitled as Christians to have more say over the law than others do. I don't know. Do we? Do we Do we still feel that we're a, a privileged minority now? Because we were once a privileged majority. Well, I think it, it depends on how you view being a sort of Christian state. I've always argued that, mm. that Britain has never been that Christian. No, sure. It's, cer it's certainly been church-going. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly been... Uh, um, used to a certain cultural uh, Christianity background. But in terms of being Jesus-like, I'm not sure you could argue that Great Britain and the United Kingdom yeah. no. in history... No, been, it's not a glorious history, is uh, it? Tremendously Jesus. So I think that the church and state thing is a complication. And, um, and I, don't, I don't think we should, we should sort of mix it up with actually sort of following Jesus in a way. I think it's about the privileged mm. position. Um, and a friend of mine was talking about this the other day because he's a member of the House of Lords. He's a bishop. Mm. And uh, he's he's now my Lord uh, Bishop, mm. which I refuse to call him that, obviously. Uh, but <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he's saying how great it is in, in the House of Lords to have people from other positions, you know, leaving aside the sort of church yeah. thing, but, but yeah. how, how important it is to have people who are apolitical, from yeah. that point of view. They're not being brought in because of their politics. They've been brought in because of some other uh, uh, kind of qualification. Some of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Some of them. Yeah. 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 But, so I think that, you know, there's, there were good things and bad things. You know, there's no logical reason why you should have a House of Lords, full stop, but there's no logical reason why you should have, <laughs> have the sort of bishops in it. And uh, But actually, maybe they're not always a bad thing either, you know. Yeah, I suppose... I suppose I agree. And, you know, on the one hand, I think it gets very messy when you mix religion and politics together. And yet I cannot get away from seeing politics throughout the Bible and this and particularly the, the theme of justice and social justice and um, and and the kingdom of God does seem to be uh, advocating that all people are uh, equal uh, worthy of respect, worthy of love, are included in God's uh, love. And so 
I suppose, you know, like today we've had some really what I consider to be pretty awful statements from Suella Braverman um, about the refugee thing. And this is one of British Sunak's big deals, isn't it? He, he wants to stop the boats and everything. And I sort of, there's a part of me goes, yeah, uh, it's easy to be in opposition. I know what I don't stand for. I suppose the question is always what what would be my policy? You know, how would I deal with the migrant crisis. Mm, mm. I'm grateful it isn't my problem to sort out. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. But it seems to me that there's sometimes language that feels really inflammatory and demonising. And, and, and I think that our culture and the media encourages it. Um, you know, so everyone is defined on where they stand on the gay issue or where they stood on Brexit or in America where they stand on Trump or mm. whether they're Republican. And it's like there's there's this kind of you know dangerous movement towards demonising people over their view on one issue. Yes, indeed. And, and, and that that seems to me to be not a very helpful thing. You know, I'm sure Suella Braverman's a lovely lady and sends flowers to her mum and does, you know, lots of gracious kind things in her spare time but i see the bits she says about refugees i really don't like it and i don't know what the i don't always know what the appropriate form of protest is and i don't really want to be part of the demonizing issue that's going on in culture i'd really like to be part of the solution which is to offer a better solution you know it's back to that quote that we're always saying you know the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better yes so i you know i often think i'd like a christian you know, group to tell me what would be what would be a more helpful Christ-like policy. Well, well, I think it's partly, at least, about um, you know listening to people and about not indulging in the sort of easy name-calling. Yeah. Or or trying to have some kind of empathy with other people's points of view, really. Yeah. Um, because I think yeah. what I, what gets me is the use of the the, the sort of uh, phobia bit. You know that everything mm. you're against is, you know, you're you're transphobic or you're homophobic or whatever, and I think that's too simplistic in so many cases. Because as I said, it's mm. it's quite possible for people to be very very conflicted about their view. Yeah, that actually they're basing it on their reading of scripture, and it's a painful position for them to be in. Yeah, and yet trying to reconcile it. We've often talked on this um, podcast about people from different theological positions and not sort of demonising them as it were not so not you, yeah. you know I mean I know we do it in a jokey way sometimes with somebody like Ethel but you know that yeah. we, we we've got to believe that actually people for who for example don't agree with women in ministry yeah they're not all doing it from a position of oh yes aren't the patriarchy good and and you know, Mis they, they are, yeah, misogynist. you know they're not yeah. they're mis yeah. no, not misogynists exactly yeah they're actually trying to read scripture and trying to follow it now we may again, as we say, argue with their interpretation, but I think yeah. you can look at some of their lives and go, well, actually, in many ways, now, those people are much more closely following Jesus than I am, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I disagree on this bit. But then again, it's it's quite easy for me to say that because I'm not one of the people they disagree with, so I'm aware of that as well, you know. I'm I and I'm always I'm always very irritated when people who have vastly different theological positions to me are more Christ-like than me. 
Yes, it's awful, it just, isn't it? Does does my head in? <laughs> it undermines the whole systematic theology, doesn't it? I, I need anyone who has a different theological position to me to be a horrible person. That that becomes much more easy to deal with. <laughs> and there you go. That isn't that exactly what we're talking about? That actually, yeah. we need people of a different political persuasion, or dare I say, who follow the wrong football team. We need them to be horrible people. Yeah. Exactly. Rather than just people who are <laughs> conflicted in a different way, you know. Um, yeah, th- and essentially are. like us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I don't really know the, the answer here. I do worry about a, a system that says, well, if you hold certain um, beliefs, you can never lead a political party. Um, you know, I think, it, obviously depending on what those beliefs are, but I think, I think uh, you know, I do worry about that. I think that's where it's going is that we we're just trying to squeeze everybody into the same same box. On the other hand, I do feel the pain of people who've spent decades being excluded and yes, uh, exactly. and have found themselves excluded from political position perhaps for exactly the opposite reason. And and I think in my lifetime we currently have as I think we said before the most right-wing government I've ever known in this country. Or been aware of. I mean, maybe when I was three years old, I wasn't so aware of what the prevailing government felt about things. Well, I don't know with that, because I think the the point is, of course, we have a, a society that is much more liberal than it used to be. Yeah. So, you know, it may be that society shifted. You know, some of the people, let's be honest, right, some okay. of the people who who were are in the current government and previous governments would probably be quite at home. In a conservative government in the nineteen fifties or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course they would. Sure. But but I think our society has shifted and that causes you know, we've always got to adjust to that. Really. So okay, well let, let let's try let's try and finish here on a practical note. What what do we do to stop ourselves get getting caught up in the name calling and the the mm. the anger and the emotion that's being expressed so widely around social media and stuff how what what's the wise christ-like thing for us to do when when we are genuinely angered by a lack of inclusion or what seems to be uh, a government or a, a political party um well i mean let's just try and take a fairly neutral let's let's say the bmp are in town and mm. they're promoting what seems to us to be a very racist agenda. Mm. What is, how do we confront that, but without wasting too much energy in exasperation and anger and judgment? And yeah. Mm. Well, I think you should, I think you should confront it. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. think you should, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. I think quite clearly you should confront it. And I think you shouldn't, be forced into a position where you're being inauthentic in a sense to what what you truly believe. Yeah. On the other hand, I think you have to talk to your opponents as best you can. Mm. You have to talk to people who disagree with with you and with whom you disagree. Um and you have to try and get some kind of dialogue going. I think that's always a much more productive way of 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 working. And and for me I think it's about trying to understand why are people thinking in certain ways. Mm. What is it that is causing them to think in this way often it's about fear uh, or as we've talked about it's about ways of interpreting the scriptures and if you were to change that way it would mm. cause problems with your whole view of scripture your, you know with some fundamental things going on there um, 
sometimes it's sort of personal biases and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it's 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 just a sense of powerlessness that people don't have power and agency in their own life, and therefore they they want to take it out on a group that they perceive has taken stuff off them. They're looking for for someone to blame. Yeah, um, sure. So I think all that goes on. I, I, so I think I think firstly, yes, you've got to you've got to stand up for what's just and right and speak out. Um, secondly, mm. you've got to talk to people. And thirdly, I think you could pray for them. You know, um, I was very challenged today. We had a little talk. I heard a little talk from somebody today, and she was talking about empathy. Mm. And um, empathy essentially sort of being other centered thinking right. with other people rather than just sort of feeling sorry for them, but actually f- feeling how they're feeling and trying to ima- use your imagination to get in there. And I think if you can pray in an other-centred way about people with whom you, you disagree, what, what are you doing except forgiving your enemies and loving your enemies? Mm. You're, you're putting that into practice. Um, and you're asking God to bless them in some way. So I, 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 those would, that's off the top of my head. Those. This is great because, you know, you lift the lid on these sort of issues and you realise how amazingly complex issues are. And also, I think, you know, harking back to your theme of wisdomness, you know, I think most of us want to be wise as we get older. And I think that confronting injustice is part of it. But I also think not getting swallowed up in anger mm. is part of it. So it's, you know, it's managing your emotional life and the limited energy you have and and constructively confronting injustice in the way that is appropriate. And I think that that's that surely is just a lifelong discussion with people, isn't it? To to learn to do those. things. Absolutely. And understanding that all your leaders will have opinions that you don't like Mm. in somewhere. Mm. You know, I think our friend, our friend Dave. Well, your new best friend, uh, Dave. <laughs> I've moved on now. That's fine. Uh, oh, if you, you're so fickle. Um, you know, he, he says one of the first things he says to any sort of prospective member of his mm. church. He says, "I'll disappoint you at some point." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's right, yeah. and I mean, actually, with Dave, it happens quite quickly. But you know, no, it, it, <laughs> we our leaders, leaders inherently. If we want, if we want leaders with who are individual thinkers, they're going to think in ways we don't like. Yeah. And that's the point of democracy is that it minimizes it should ideally minimize the risks inherent in that. So you should mm. you should have that correcting mechanism. Yeah, and so all our leaders will will inevitably disappoint us at some point. They'll say things mm. that we that we mm. don't agree with, or they'll they'll just be yeah. human and say something stupid, you know. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. So you have to be bigger than that. Everybody's got feet of clay, really. Yeah, so thank goodness we've never said something stupid. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, no, seriously, we we, we will say yeah, things exactly. that... Yeah, exactly, of course we well, do. Well, I mean, I say things that you don't agree with, and vice versa, and, and we'll say do. things that the listener doesn't agree with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that, that's fine. That's just how it, how it operates, really. And we'd love to hear from people who, who have different points of view. Absolutely. I mean, I was just going to say that, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Please write in to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. You may not get a very fast response because I am actually off for three weeks. uh, And that is a beautiful thing. But um, but we're we're still going to be doing this somehow, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put burdens on you in terms of your holiday and I'm going to be moving house in eventually (laughs) sometime. Who knows? It's a complex time, isn't it? I know. So uh, we will try and get uh, an episode out uh, when we can. So I do ask for your 
sort of forbearance in terms of scheduling, but we'll try and get some stuff out. And uh, yeah, as Joe says, do let us know what you think and and uh, do keep sending us those messages. They're really important. Yeah, and we'll, we'll probably do something less controversial, like what is the correct way to make a, a, a good pina colada or something like that. And there's the theme again. It's What's the biblical way to make a pina colada? <laughs> good point. <laughs> I might have to do some field research on that. Yeah, yeah. It's better than going around churches. Or is it? No. What about if you went around churches with a pina colada? Would that be acceptable yeah, to you? That, yes. Now, you've already made it better. Okay, good. Well, anyway, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, we will see you again soon. Who knows when?